It's that time again. We go beyond the jive. Join our hosts, John Swan and Natalie B. Brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. All you hive jive junkies out there, this is the hive jive. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hi, guys. We're uh, we're just sitting over here laughing at ourselves because you know why not? <laughs> yeah. Well, JJ just threw out the topic of the day. I was like, I'm good. <laughs> so, so today we're talking about procrastination. <laughs> and uh, yeah, apparently we are both well versed in this subject. <laughs> we're, we're absolute experts, and we don't need any preparations to discuss this topic. It will come nope. naturally. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. So. First and foremost, the the thing that kind of made me think about this is, um, well, we've talked about me putting the nuke that is currently inside the little plastic nuke box that I hate into a two by thick custom wood nuke that I can attach to the top bar. That's been the plan. And procrastination has said, I've got these other projects that I'm working on that we're desperately trying to get accomplished because they're literally like two months behind at this point. And we're so close. So like every waking moment when I am not here, I am there basically getting stuff done. So every day it's, I know I need to do that, but I'll do it tomorrow or tomorrow or tomorrow or tomorrow or tomorrow or tomorrow is tomorrow, tomorrow. Anyhow. Um, Monday night, we had a freeze out of nowhere, dropped down really low. My mom's like, um, are the bees going to be okay? And I said, well, I don't know. I hope so, because the daytime temperatures are still staying up. Right. They're getting back up around 50. And then by the end of this week, it's going to be back up near 80. So hopefully they can survive one night. Well, the one night turned into two nights. Because last night it dropped back down again. Monday night into Tuesday morning was 29. Oh, wow. That's last cool. night. Yeah. Last night into this morning was like hovering right at 31 ish. Um, so now they've gone two days, two nights anyway, in this plastic nuke box that I hate. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed, they had a big enough population in there. I know they've propolized the hell out of that thing. We've already talked about that. So hopefully this is all good and they survive. But if they don't, whose fault is it? This guy. The procrastinator in chief. <laughs> yeah. right, this guy. It's this guy's fault. It's not Mother Nature's fault. It's not the bee's fault. They're in an artificial container that they did not choose that right. does not have enough insulation. I am well aware of this. We have discussed it. It needs to be remedied. But I wasn't expecting this to have a frost and then a freeze and then a freeze this early in the season. Um, I guess I'm still operating on, you know, Texas standard time as far well, as we did, get, actually, we did get a little bit of a cold front, but it didn't go down below 40. This morning was the worst of it. Right. So it's not as bad as 29. Yeah. The, those boxes, by the way, they're uh, corrugated plastic. So there's a certain level. No, <laughs> this, oh, is the, the, this is oh, the, this is the molded. Some, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's awful. Yeah, <laughs> see, exactly, <laughs> exactly. If it was the corrugated plastic box, I wouldn't be as concerned. 
but it's not. It's that molded, thin layer, solid plastic box. And, and bleh, yeah, it's horrible. Like you said, it's horrible. Yeah, I mean, it's a kind of a, a draft, a house of drafts kind of a thing. Too. It is. And and again, to their credit, last month, they propolized the hell out of it. So there's right. propolis oozing out of every opening and crack in there. So they've sealed they it up. They knew yeah. it was, first of all, coming. And second of all, that that box was not meant to be used that way. <laughs> right. So that is still on the agenda, unfortunately, for tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be be one more on your list of your endless list of things to do these days. Yes, that's true. It's still there and it's still going to have to be tomorrow that I go through. I did locate a piece of lumber that I already have that I think is big enough to get two or three sides of the box that I need. It's not big enough to do the whole thing, but at least it's there's some scrap material around here that I can kind of utilize to to try to do this. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like, wah, wah, wah. Wasn't planning on winter this early. <laughs> yeah. The other thing you can do, you can make a bigger box than your plastic one and just dump the whole box in there. Yeah, stick it around it. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of, uh, you don't even have to transfer them or anything, but you know, it's just kind of an idea. As long as it's stick around, what you're trying to do is really cut the drafts and, and provide thermal mass for them to to not feel the effects of the changes of temperature so much because that's what the, is going to be stressful and it's what's going to require a lot more resources for them to go through. So, yeah, I, I was very tempted last night to walk out there and just pick it up and bring it inside the house. <laughs> You I, could in a pinch, I've put done it that. In a blanket. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know, I have done this before. This is not beyond the realm of possibility. I have often brought nukes into the yeah, home. Just close <laughs> them up and bring them in. Except right. that box is kind of a leaky of bees, right? So, well, yeah. I don't think there's anywhere for them to leak out at the moment because okay. they've propolized everything. So if I if I close the front entrance down and and manage to get it hooked, because they've also propolized that and narrowed it down too. So if I closed it down and hooked it they'd they'd be good they'd be stuck in there and they could stay inside you know for a day or two but then that at the same time that might not have been a bad idea because then they would be here constantly roaring at me reminding me that i really need to get that other box built (laughs) that's a self-built emergency right there yeah otherwise they're out of sight out of mind they're they're off down into the forest and you know i can see them from the balcony but i'm like meh it's not bad. And then all of a sudden it was bad. And I was like, well, crap. Yeah, exactly. And once it's too late, it's too late. That's the other problem, right? <laughs> right. So. Yeah. You get right up to that point. There was also some plants that we wanted to do trimmings on. Um, I can't remember the specific name of them. It, it escapes me at the moment, but they are super, super easy to propagate. Like you chop off any leaf or any stem, stick it in water. It roots almost immediately and you got another one. And uh, coleas, coleas. Yes, that's what they're called. So, and they come in all kinds of beautiful different colors, like shades of greens and reds and all this stuff. And we saw this plant that was like this blood red, solid colored. And I was like, oh my gosh. And they're, um, they're out where like, you know, we could just walk by and be like snip and clip off just a little limb and go put it in water. And every time we go by and we're like, oh, we need to do that. Well, we, we got time. We'll do it later. Yeah. They're basically sticks of goo at the moment. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It's now you got to yeah. wait another season. 
Sunday, Sunday, we drove by them and they were all beautiful. And then on uh, Monday, I went back by and they looked like gremlins that had melted. They, it was like, oh, wow, one night. That's all it took. <laughs> wow, well, because it's so much moisture content in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the other thing I, I've been thinking about, so when we do the thick winter nukes for the five frames, the smaller colonies, the other thing I want to do is make sure that I put the wood and leave that box that I've made in the house to warm up before I bring it back to the yard and transfer the bees. Because if I put them in a very cold, uh, again, a thermal mass, right? That wood is gonna be much colder. That's gonna bring that temperature down when it's not what you're trying to do, so. That's a good point. That's not that's not anything that I think would have ever crossed my mind. That is a very good yeah. point. Well, I mean, I just kind of, you know, touched that wood and it's super cold and I'm like, if I had put it, you know, on my on my arm and tried to warm it up, it would have taken me a while, right? So that's yeah. kind of the way I look at it. Well, and it's like a thermos. I have uh yeah. I have yeah, my little exactly bee like a thermos. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have my little bee thermos over there. And if I do a coffee mug and make hot tea, <laughs> that hot tea is no longer hot within 15 minutes, and by 30 minutes right. it's cold. But I made a double batch yesterday, put it into the thermos, and hours later, it was still hot. Yeah. So same kind of concept. It it helps to insulate that. And if it's cold to begin with, it's going to be radiating the cold, not not allowing to help the heat. It's thermodynamics. It's the yeah. It's exactly what it is. You get exchanges of heat, and uh, at some point, it has to come from somewhere. So the bees are going to have to uh, warm up that wood before they can use it as a thermal mass. Yeah. Well, see, there you go. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> these are the reasons. So it does not matter how new and or old, experienced or novice of a beekeeper you are. These are why, especially like in the first season of the podcast, when we're talking about where are you going to set up your apiary or, or when I travel and I do speaking engagements and we're talking about getting started. One of the big things is do not put them somewhere inconvenient because if you do, you will always find an excuse as to why you're not going to go down there. It's, it's too cold. It's too windy. It's rainy. It's too far away. I don't have the truck. I don't, you know, whatever, the closer you can keep them to your property without causing any issues to where you can very casually walk out there to it, the more likely you're going to be to do your maintenance when you're supposed to do it and get these things taken care of. So it's not the beginner's, only that make these kinds of issues and errors and that's kind of what we try to remind remind our apprentices and our students do as i say not do as i do procrastinate because you know out of sight out of mind in your case is a good point right You, you tend to forget but with bees i think one of the biggest mistakes we make very often and it's not just with winterizing it's with everything it's postponing and procrastinating what needs to be done if we see something that needs to happen it's better to intervene early uh it's true with splits it's swarm cells it's true with uh, nutrition it's true with all kinds of things right yep so and it it happens it's very easy to do so when i was managing the the other apiary down there in texas you could go out you spend all day long doing a removal or doing whatever or working other hives or doing consultations you know management whatnot And then you get to your own apiary and you've got this plan. (laughs) And the plan is today I'm going to touch X, Y, Z, and we're going to go through and do these things. And then you pull up to the gate and from the gate, you can see this massive swarm hanging in a tree. And you're like, well, crap. And everything goes right out the window. You spend two hours out there on that floor, literally right out the window. (laughs) 
Or in some cases, when I have queens in the truck in the window, because I leave the windows and doors open and then I come back to my pickup and there's this massive covering of bees on everything. And I'm like, oh, oops, (laughs) I have done that so many times. And every time I'm like, you think I would learn. (laughs) I've learned to close my doors more and and close my windows more these days. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So, so it happens, you know, it could be from that. It could be that something throws you off your game. You get out there and there's something more pressing that you need to do, but X, Y, Z that I was supposed to touch. Well, now that's going to be the next trip to the apiary, which I'm going to plan for tomorrow. But then something else comes up tomorrow and suddenly it becomes the next day and then it's going to be Saturday and then there's an emergency call for removal and suddenly three weeks go by and you still haven't touched X, Y, Z. You know, it happens. We we are very good at it. And especially when the weather starts not becoming our friend and our ally, it's even easier to procrastinate. It's even more dangerous, too. But yeah, I mean, it's just kind of a you you end up you start with a plan like you say and you start with x y and z that you have to do and then you don't even get to do x completely um but the point is the other aspect of that is that you note down what you have to do for next time like oh i really need to bring a box i need to bring a winter thick nook for this box um as soon as possible you walk out that yard you think you get another two weeks before you got to intervene right i don't remember i had something that was urgent to do because i've checked in the box, right? I've done my inspection. I know that I'm on a more or less two to three week schedule and I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm good to go. (laughs) Again, out of sight, out of mind. So if I don't look back at my notes right away, then I will forget immediately. Yeah. Here's a, here's a great example that is not beekeeping related, but it is something that we had a very good laugh about yesterday. So doing the renovations and remodeling and construction on these investment properties um, on day one, which was this is so bad back in July when we started this whole adventure, um, we needed a pencil uh-huh. and a pair of pliers. And yesterday I was like, man, sure would have been nice if at any point during the last three months, somebody would have brought a pencil <laughs> and a pair of pliers. <laughs> you just keep doing it. And it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I just keep finding other ways around it. I'm like, well, crap, I don't have, I'll just use this pen or I'll use a marker. And then if I have to, I'll paint back over it, you know, like whatever. Oh, I don't have the pliers that I need. Well, I'll take this tip of these scissors and I'll slowly try to pry <laughs> these things out of there. Or I was walking around with wire cutters and I was using the wire cutters to just barely grip and then slowly like wrench and leverage things out without cutting them, you know, because if you squeeze too hard, you snap right through it. Yeah. And the whole time I'm like, man, pliers. Who'd have thought the right tool for the job? That would be great. (laughs) Simple things that you think we would have in our massive. I've got like my entire bee kit that I take my uh, my caddy that I carry around for my bee removals. The whole thing's over there because I've got so many tools in it, but not a pair of pliers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a good point, too, by the way. Don't procrastinate loading up your toolboxes for the bee yard. Make sure that you have everything that you need, in particular, a queen clip. That's super important. Um, you know, any kind of like cutting device that you always have at some point something to do where, where you're going to cut. If you work with natural comb, having some kind of serrated knife um, is a good idea in your kit, right? Because you can cut burr comb, you can do all kinds of things. It's true as well of any hives. Um, you know, your smoker, your smoker fuel, your matches. Well, so that's something that uh, I never had a problem with in, in Texas was fuel. And I could always find 
dried grass clippings, leaves, twigs, whatever, cow poop that was dried. I, I always had a, it was there. Here, I have an endless supply of pine needles and leaves in the forest yeah, at any given way. point in time. But that that right there is the kicker until the day you go out there and everything's sopping wet. And you're like, well, now what? Yeah. And, and it happens sometimes in Texas as well, right? I, I'm very notorious for procrastinating to put the lid on my smoker fuel bucket right uh -oh. so you never know and when it's raining and you need a smoker you need to have smoker fuel bucket of some kind or some some fuel that's dry so if you have forgotten to put your your lid on it you're just back to square one nothing that you can find outside is going to really lit, lit up light up uh, easily and nothing that's in no. your bucket either <laughs> you'll spend uh, more time than you would have for the at whatever you were there to do trying yeah. to dry things out enough oh to do my it. gosh when it's wet the smoker fuel is wet that you can find or that you have it's like the hardest part of the the visit yes. yeah yeah and again procrastination it, it exactly. it's it's very simple to just let these things go by when it's always there and it's always convenient until it's not <laughs> and well, it's always what, when it's not that it's a problem <laughs> that's right same when you're in swarming season and you don't go and check on a regular basis and and or you see some swarm cells and you say well I'll come back in a week or and then you 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 procrastinate and before you know it it's been 10 days and your your swarm is gone and now you've got well I can't do a split anymore we're yeah. done I know that uh, there's been multiple occasions that I have cut it so close that I am going through the colony as the queens are emerging from the swarm cells. Yeah. And I'm actively catching them as they're opening up and coming out, or I just cut that out and I lay it down. And as I lay it down, she's crawling out of it. And I'm like, nah, and then I'm trying to like grab her and put her somewhere. And then this one over here makes it out and she's running across the, the, the comb and I'm trying to get her. And I'm like, where are the rest of them? Like I've done that kind of like leaving the windows and doors open on the truck, you know, exactly. and come back and all the bees are in there. Um, I have done that multiple times where I'm like, Oh God, this whole thing has just changed into Quickly catch as many queens as you can. Don't let them escape. Yeah, it's <laughs> like whack-a-mole. But yeah. then it, it makes it even more complicated because now all of a sudden you have to do your, you have to put them somewhere. Yeah. You're going to keep them. So you have to make splits with whatever you have. Instead of planning ahead and having like a split waiting that that even that's queenless that can wait a couple days or maybe a, a week or so if they don't have any eggs. And then you can just plop it in, right? Yeah. So if, if you were you ready for that. Don't plan ahead, <laughs> Yes, exactly. Then you're having to come up with less than ideal situations, uh, whereas making a plan and just kind of sticking to it, not procrastinating is going to help out. Yeah. So, um, hey, by the way, there's times when um, procrastinating is not a bad thing. For example, when you are uh, wanting to equalize uh, smaller hives, and you have um, like a brood factory, like a larger colony that you want to use to donate. And I find for me anyway, that it's easier to procrastinate and let that colony get bigger and bigger. So I can tax it and give some of those resources to the smaller ones that need help without taxing that one so much. And in the end, I have more resources to share than I would if I was um, equalizing earlier on. So that's uh, an opposite to the procrastination. I mean, once in a while, it, it, this is the law of averages. Every now and then right. it's got to right. work to your favor, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, these things that we, the situations we get ourselves into. How fun. <laughs> yep.
But procrastination is usually not. Oh, the other thing, uh, don't procrastinate on building your equipment. So that goes with your winter nuke. With oh, gee, my two by nuke box that uh -huh. should have been built. <laughs> right. Uh, you're for the spring. Use the winter um, to kind of like take the time to plan for what equipment you need to buy or what equipment you need to, to build. One of the procrastination problems is failing to buy or order equipment that you're ordering online because then you have to wait and all of us invariably especially with Langstroth I need to add a super on my hive or it's going to swarm and then you don't have what you need and you're scrambling everywhere uh, to find some in town and everybody else has been doing the same thing so you right. find nothing right so that's another um, procrastination problem yeah and that so we're actually we're coming up on the season where it would kind of make sense because you've got all these shopping deals and discount days and things coming up, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, all, all right. that kind of stuff. And you're like, oh, but I mean, it's the end of the year. I don't need anything. You'll need something for next year. Yeah. And and I don't want to be the one to advocate to go to the, the major distributors and retailers who are also pushing other propaganda stuff. But at the all same right. time, if you're keeping bees in a Langstroth box and you know you're going to need extra boxes <laughs> to expand and extra frames go ahead and order them in the fall or the winter whenever they're doing these deals, which is basically a month from now right. and get it, have it shipped in, let it set in the box for a few weeks or a month. And then in the dead of winter, when it's super cold and you don't want to get outside, sit down and start building some frames inside your home, be warm and cozy, have you something to drink, turn on some music and knock it out, get it done. Just like you said, use the winter for that time to prepare, but you can buy that stuff in advance because you know, you're going to need it. And right. there's nothing worse than, well, it was half the price, you know, in November. And now it's here it is March. And I really need it because we're getting ready to do our splits and I didn't buy it. So I got to buy it now and it's full price or, exactly. you know, the price went up or whatever. So your procrastination is actually costing you at this point. <laughs> yes. <So. laughs> wah, wah, wah. Uh, yeah. And then. That's the advantage, by the way, and I will stay very quickly on my soapbox. That's the advantage of uh, using hives that you can buy your, uh, build yourself, right? Yep. If you're doing top, horizontal top bar hives that are so easy to make, then you don't have to store all that equipment, first of all, in the winter. Your supers that you've used before and the equipment that you're trying to build for the spring, you don't have to sit on it. It doesn't have to sit in your garage. Um, and you don't have to depend on the supply chain and the ordering process and the discount season and all this stuff. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Well, that's true. Um, you know, that's, that was why I was looking out there in the shed to see what I had that was already to buy that would possibly be big enough to make this work because I, I've got to have a deep box because they're in deep frames. And so, you know, I'm like, oh, I think I've got one board that'll work, but it's not big enough to go all the way around. I can get, you know, probably... I can probably get three quarters of it. I can get both of the end caps and then one long piece, but not the other long piece. And so, the floor. And the top. Yeah. Well, exactly. Um, there is technically a floor there already, but it's mm -hmm. just, it's not two by, it's it's one. Mm -hmm. So I could double that up. And, you know, if I have another piece of one by out here, I could put that on top, double that up. And then I'm already good on that part. Yeah. Other things that I wanted to do to it as well, though, were relocate the legs so that the legs are more directly underneath that to support the weight since how that's where it's all going to be at the moment. 
Um, and then there's other grandiose plans too. Like I would love to somehow anchor it to the hill so that the bear can't flip the freaking thing over anymore. Right. Um, you know, things like that, planning for the future. Um, but I could also keep thinking about that until the next time the bear comes, and then I'm gonna be like, well, darn, I should have done that. <laughs> you can procrastinate again. <laughs> Well, the other thing that um, we need to make sure we keep in mind is there's other things to do in the apiary. First of all, if you're a brand new beekeeper, don't procrastinate to set it up. You really want to think this through. You want to, like you said earlier, have a passage, but you also want to set up a water source. You want to make sure that they have the right kind of water source because once they are there and it gets hot and they start you know, working their brood and making bee milk and, and all that good stuff, they're going to need that water source anyway. Well, and it's also... They're going to find whatever is there that fits their criteria. And if yours is not there initially, then Mm -hmm. they're going to find something else. And that could be at your neighbor's place. And then they're going to teach all their sisters. This is where you go to get it. Even if somebody's like, but there's this new, no, 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 no. We go over here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Once this is done, it's done. So again, procrastination in this case is your enemy. And the beast will really definitely uh, let you know that they've already chosen for you. Yeah, there was. So when I set up the very first little tiny apiary at my house in Austin, um, I had before the bees ever arrived, I used it as an excuse, um, you know, because I was going to have bees and they needed a water source. So I installed a massive pond in the backyard with a waterfall and a stream and like had all these. Yeah, there was fish in there, had all these plants everywhere and things that grew up and floated on the top. So the bees have something to stand on. Then the bees show up and we're coming into like, at first it was like May into June and I never saw a single bee at that water hole. And I was so perturbed, but I could go out to the other side of the fence. And there was this old tree that had this old, like kind of knot hole in one of the uh, branches that faced up and it always filled with water and it would be covered in bees drinking out of that knot hole with all this old stale water. Uh, and I was always like, I did all this work for you guys and I built this thing and it was already there. Like I did it right. But then in the middle of August, suddenly that knot hole was dry and the pond wasn't. And then they were everywhere on the pond. And from there on going forward, that was their dedicated drinking spot. And by that point, the pond was mature. It had, you know, algae growing in it. There was all the plants floating on the top. Loved it. They could land down there on the moss and they could drink and kind of filter the stuff through. So it was perfect bio living material that they needed instead of just sterile drinking water. So it worked out. But at first I was like, no, you're supposed uh, to come here. Yeah. And, and that's the other point, right? If you procrastinate setting that up with a permanent source, if you've got anything else, um, if as soon as it dries up, you're done, you're cooked. Yep. Yeah, that's true. And if it's not reliable, they will know that. And then it will not be an option because they're like, well, every once in a blue moon, there's water over there, but it's mm-hmm. so it's better just to go this way. Yeah, so they're more efficient than that. They will go for efficiency. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is what we should be is efficient and not procrastinate. Exactly. <laughs> and not graduate as a master procrastinator. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is just part of the school of life. <laughs> I think that it is, way, it is in there. Of, yeah. Speaking of school and procrastination. Yeah. The master beekeeper exams are coming up and uh, as always, I'm procrastinating and, and I'm going to be stressed out just before it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, to clarify on that, 
the uh, the master beekeeper exam, Natalie is already a master beekeeper, but there is a tier above master that is called master craftsman or grand master craftsman or something. And oh, it is this. Craftsman. I forget what they were. Yeah. It, so there's this this big gap. You've got to wait at least two years after you do the master. You have to do some sort of research project, you know, and have all this other stuff in there. Natalie has decided that master title is not good enough. And so she's going to go for this other one. <laughs> but as she has described. I'm an eternal student. I love school. And that's just kind of what I do. And after that, I will go for something else. because. Uh-huh. But I do. <laughs> yeah, we already talked about uh, off air. We talked about the slippery slope that this makes. It's like, so what are you going to do after you have like the master, master, master title? And she's like, I don't know. I guess I got to go get a PhD. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about entomology. I want to do some some of that studying of entomology and we'll see what happens with that. But, you know, I mean, and I might not make it. I might not be prepared enough. I have all the credits I need, but um, there's an oral examination. There's a bunch of books that I haven't read. And that's what I kind of I'm sweating a little bit. Yeah, uh, but we'll see. That's the challenge. And I, I don't even know. I, I didn't bother. I'm not even down there now, so I don't I don't even really think about it. But um, whenever I got through with the master exam, I was like, I don't know. I kind of had an idea we talked about potentially for like one of the research project type things, but it was just kind of a, well, I got two years. So we go back into the procrastination, right? I got two years that I, that I can't even take it for two years anyway. So I'm not going to worry about it right now. And then other things happen and now I don't even live in that state. So it's like, meh. (laughs) Yeah. You could pr- probably still take it. You'd have to make a trip for the, or maybe even not, because you might even be able to do it via Zoom. Zoom. Yeah. Um, I know that I probably could get away with it if I wanted to, because the um, <laughs> the author of said program and test would probably let me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me participate. The problem, my dear John, is that person stepped down from the board of <gasps> keepers. Uh-huh. So there's a whole new team. But you know, you know, um, the vice president of TV is one of them now. And then um, the new, there's also a new chief APR inspector. So it's what? not even Mary. Re- yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So never mind. Never mind. <laughs> I can't go back to Texas and do it because that that was my shoe in. I was in good with the chief APR inspector, and I knew the dude that wrote the program. <laughs> right, and that was a good. Yeah, everything has changed. But the point is that you can still do that. It doesn't say you have to be a Texas beekeeper. The problem you're going to run into is making sure you have all your credits. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I've got everything up through the master level. I just don't have that research aspect of it. So yeah, that's the, project. no, I didn't yeah. bother uh, that. My idea got stolen from me and I was like, yeah, well, is absolutely, you know, amazing. And then you don't need the rest. I, I don't know why I'm doing it. Right? Not really. I mean, you're a glutton for punishment. So <laughs> exactly, that's exactly what I am. I, if I have free time, I find something to fill it. Well, that's, that's exactly what happened to me when I got up here. And that's, that's why I have like the massive chicken palace and menagerie out on the the, uh, South side of the property here was because I did not have bees and I wasn't sure what I was going to do or where they were going to go. So procrastinating, I could have been building beehives, but at the time I didn't even know where I was going to find the bees from. And I did do swarms. I did put up swarm boxes so that I had that done. 
Um, didn't catch oh, a single good. swarm in any of them, though. <laughs> I had I had bees that were interested, but none of them chose any of those. Um, but yeah, so instead, it was like the property came with chickens, and their chicken house is crap. And like, I'm gonna I'm gonna expand on this and build this, and it just kept going and going right. and going. <laughs> Cadillac of chicken coops, yeah. Yep. But to your point, the uh, swarm traps is something else that you don't want to procrastinate on, right? That's because true. You know it swarm season is here and it's gone. Right. And you caught anything. Uh, and you so. you never know, depending on your region, you always have those oddballs. You'll have somebody swarm super late in the year, which is not great. And you're going to have to probably, if you try, if you pull a kin and you try to catch and save every swarm you get instead of combining with another colony or something to bolster them, you're going to be helping them limp along and they're probably still not going to survive the winter. They don't have any resources or comb or anything. So, um, but at the same time, you get swarms that issue way earlier than you might think. You know, I, I had one move in in January down there in Texas on my front porch. <laughs> I was like, oh, what wow. is that noise? And I opened the door and they were going into a box I had left sitting there. Isn't that nice? I love when they go into boxes and, you know, not necessarily invited, but to your procrastination uh, theme, um, waiting to combine and um, just get rid of colonies that are limping along is not helping them a lot at all. And you it's not helping you either. No, it's helping nobody. And you could be helping colonies that could use those uh, that workforce. Yeah. Instead, you end up them dwindling and, and just potentially going laying workers on you. So it, the only advantage I see, not only laying workers, but then they might pot shot your uh, worker comb and uh, deform it by putting drone size um larvae into the cells that are meant for workers and then they, they're all deformed the only advantage that i might see to that procrastination is that once they've got no brood to food to feed and no queen they end up being master packers of honey if and, the population's and, big enough yes if the population's big enough and, and but you have no queen then you you end up having a lot of food that you can then distribute around but that's yeah. a risky gamble i would not procrastinate on a no dying no because mostly what's going on is as it's getting smaller and it's getting weaker not only are you worried about the potential of oh they could go laying worker or say there's a queen in there but something's wrong and she's just not doing it whatever resources they do have they're at some point not going to be big enough to guard that any longer now you're going to have the potential for wax moths eating up all your valuable resources or five beetle larvae getting in there and fouling it up robbers coming in and stealing it all you know like it could go downhill very quickly. So it, it's easier, even so say, say they are healthy, but they're just small and it was late. You get them, you feed them, you're doing all this stuff. You give them a couple of combs, you keep feeding them, you keep feeding them, but they're not big enough to ever get traction. They really need a good ratio of how many bees are in that colony versus how many bees are needed to do everything they've right. got to get over that lump and that hit the lump the hill the hump yeah. <laughs> they got to get over the hump before they can go through and actually really get hit the ground running and kind of get going so if you got two or three colonies that are all in that same scenario it would be better to go ahead and just take those losses combine them together have one colony that now has a decent population mm -hmm. that can spend the next two or three months actually doing what a colony should do and right. spin of, spending two or three months of the time they could have had with you helping them limp along and in the last minute throwing them together. But now they don't have time to do anything. Exactly. So, 
So here's another, speaking of um, resources and all that stuff, you don't want to leave your resources in the back of your pickup truck and then wait before you <laughs> protect it in another hive in the freezer, bring it inside instead, immediately, don't wait, because very often you're going to end up having a, a gazillion robbers in the back of your pickup. And then at that point, how do you get rid of those bees to bring it inside? <laughs> They've uncapped that honey, it's leaking everywhere, they're fighting, they're it's attacking you because they don't want you to take it from them and it just becomes a huge mess so don't procrastinate on that and certainly do not procrastinate once you've brought honey back home for to extract it uh, cut it as cut comb and in that case uh, to freeze it right any honey that stays for a long periods of time without being frozen runs the risk of being infested with small hive beetles that can leak everywhere that fouls it your honey. fouls it up it ferments yep. it it makes it gross Exactly. And if you don't have that and you wait too long, you end up with wax moths in there that are going to do the same thing. So yep. don't procrastinate on that as either. So your your little story about the back of your truck, when uh, when I was hot and heavy in bee removals, where it was literally multiples a day, seven days a week, nonstop, sun up to sundown, I had a routine. And there at the beginning, you know, it was like you go out, you do your stuff, you 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 take the bees, drop them off at the out yard and the recovery area. And you go over here and you check the main ape area and then you come back home, you unload the truck, clean everything. Mm -hmm. And then you can go to bed just so you can wake up and do it all over again. And yeah, exactly. one night I got home and uh, at the time where I was living at the time, I got home and it's uh, it was it's not a cul-de-sac, but it was like a giant U street. Right. And mm -hmm. so. I was at the corner of this U, so there was three houses all fairly close together, and uh, I pull in, I back the truck into the carport, I was exhausted, I could barely stand up, and I was like, screw it, I will deal with it in the morning, and I went to bed, and I got up the next morning, and I opened my front door, and before I could even see anything, I could hear it, and I thought, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> and I walk out, and I look, there are not only bees all around my truck, they're around my trash can, my neighbor's yes. trash can, everybody's front doors, because you start a feeding frenzy and then it's yes. there's food here and then it's, well, there could be food everywhere. everywhere so let's just look everywhere. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So there's this massive hurricane cyclone of bees just everywhere. And I was like, I know. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. How do I get this cleaned up and make them all go away before my neighbors get up and start to leave yes. for work and walk out in the middle of this disaster? <laughs> and then they're like, you can't keep bees here no more, you know? Right. So, yeah, that was that was one of those days. And that was the only slip up. That was the only procrastination on that one. It only took me once to learn that lesson. It doesn't matter how tired you are when you get home, clean up your crap. <laughs> well, and to your point, uh, procrastination with the vehicles, I uh, somehow the back window of my pickup truck got crashed. Uh -oh. And so I lost half of my window and I, I procrastinated to have it fixed. Let me tell you, when you can initially put resources inside the cabin to protect it from all those crazy robbers, and now all of a sudden they're, they're not all, in the the food, they're all over your inside cabin. <laughs> and I parked my truck once and I forgot the window was broken and I had resources that I was trying to protect that was supposed to move out and take inside at least. Um, and there was a cloud of bees inside my truck. And then Okay, so don't procrastinate on that either. Once the damage is done, 
go to your truck, put a suit if you have to, go to your truck and drive around lowering your windows. <laughs> Get them all out. Because I, at that point, I was like, fine, you can have it. And I was just kind of like, they will just eat the honey and then they'll be gone. Well, guess what happened? They made a mess inside my truck because they're piggies when they go and rob. And on top of that, a bunch of them didn't know how to find their way back out that window and died on my dashboard. Mm-hmm. Bumped up my entire dashboard and it was just kind of a mess and I didn't want to lose all those bees either. So I was just kind of like, that was not, you know, wrong answer. <laughs> yeah. It's not the right thing. Here's I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. Here's a, pro- a couple of other procrastination items, mouse guards, uh, robber guards, and uh, uh, any kind of like uh, entrance reduction for, um, for the winter, right? You just want to make sure that you don't have your bees exposed if you wait too long, you might have robbing going on. You might have mice setting up shop inside the hive. And then I found mummified mice in mm-hmm. my my top are hives of all things, right? They will climb up and get into the smallest of holes. Yeah. So we use a half inch uh, um, mesh wire um, for the um, entrances. We just staple it over. Yeah. It's a good idea to do something like that before... Um, the cold weather sets in because these field mice, they will get in when it's kind of getting a little cooler, like right now. Yeah. Like now. (laughs) Yeah. If we wait too long, they'll set up a nest and they'll um, foul up everything. There'll be feces and urine. And one of the big, Oh my gosh. um, We did a um, honey sensory, whatever event uh, with a friend and she got, she purchased different kinds of honey from a beekeeper that you and I both know that supplies a lot of like, you know, monoflorals, mesquite, all this stuff. Right. And so she had like four or five little cups that everybody was trying out. And the one with the, uh, was it the buckwheat, buckwheat honey. She had a sample with that and I popped it open and I smelled it. I was like, Oh, I know the smell. And then I tasted it. Not that I know that taste, but it reinforced the smell of it. Yep. It smelled like mouse pee. Yep. You, Buckwheat honey um, on the color. on the tasting chart thing, it actually lines up with ammonia and cat urine and a couple of oh, other things. Yeah. It was so bad. I was just like, that's disgusting. But I had tasted that um that uh, buckwheat honey. Uh, before and it didn't taste like that not not that potent not that bad yeah Mm. yeah ken and i had a whole bunch of fun there in the the little rental studio that we did for a while during the pandemic and we brought in a bunch of bunch of different honey that he had bought from all over the place he got online and just started buying stuff oh that's and uh we went through that was also the one where i opened it up and i was like what up there was a dead bee floating in the top of it there was a mite on the lid i was like and it was like it was called ultra pure unfiltered or something like that it was basically the slum of all the crap that was left over and they just scooped it into a jar are you sure or or did they add that to make it look more real well again i think they were finding a way to get rid of their waste because the jar was three quarters honey and then it had a solid inch at the top of it that was just wax particles, bee parts, solid whole bees. I was like, no, (laughs) I was so upset by that. 
<laughs> well, I mean, there's a minimum of uh, filtering, I think, just with a um, straining, basically, that I think is makes for a better quality product. Yeah, there's there's no way you get that much shit in your honey unless you literally have scooped up the crap and put it in there. Yeah. You just crush and crush and don't strain. <laughs> <laughs> right. I just crushed it into the jar. The rest is up to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then, oh, another one. Don't wait to study bee biology and learn. Uh, don't just go to the yard and expect you're going to figure it out. There's a lot of books, the, the Biology of the Honeybee by Winston. There's another one by uh, Dr. Connor that's really good as well. Um, essentials, bee essentials or something like that. That's a new one. Just study uh, before you get your bees, if possible. Don't, don't procrastinate to order your bees if you're going to buy them. That's true. Again... Yeah. We're already at that time of year. Start looking around, find places that have them. Even if they're not necessarily accepting orders, reach out to them and say, do you do a waiting list? If so, how do you get on it? When do you usually start taking reservations? Find somebody local that you can trust that you think has you know good stock and whatnot. Reach out to them, make those connections, buy your equipment, start prepping your equipment, buy your books, especially if you're just getting started. I highly doubt anybody listening to this right now is in that category. But if you are just getting started and you don't have your bees yet, the winter is a great time to do all of that. Find the books that Natalie's mentioning, get out there, read them because it's cold outside, cuddle up by the fire, read a book, have a nice hot drink. You know, it's a perfect way to pass your time in the winter. And also you will then be prepared in the spring to be able to go out there, hit the ground running and, and be a better beekeeper. The other one is the, um, Honeybee Pests and Diseases by the Canadian Association of Apiculturists. The other procrastination mistake we tend to make uh, as a group, as beekeepers, is to let uh, pests and diseases set up shop in our hives. And we tend to intervene too late. And when we do that, we run out of options to, to intervene, really. And we make it a lot harder for the colony to recover. So we don't want to procrastinate there either. And that goes through really learning to identify the symptoms of pests and pathogens and problems in general, and also know what their life cycle is and, and just have a plan as to what we can do to intervene if we do observe those issues uh, instead of scrambling, hey, I have all that webbing in my, my hive. What, now what do I do? At that point, nothing. Clean it out. Right. <laughs> you are you've reached the end of your potential procrastination at that That's point. It. It's all gone. <laughs> yeah, you're you're done. And look, American file route, everybody's like, ooh, that's the big bad wolf. But in the grand scheme of things, if you do catch it early and if you do what you have to do with it, it's a solvable issue. If you let it go to the, the completely, you know, uh, decimal brood patterns and the, the melted sunken caps and the sticky uh, rope test in this black scales, you've waited too long. And at that point, you do have to burn your colony. Well, and not only that, you've also given it the opportunity to spread to all of your other colonies. Yeah. And so instead of it just being a one-off, let's fix it before it even gets there, now it's all of the colonies are potentially at risk. Yeah. Yeah. Not a fun thing. So there you go, everybody. Don't procrastinate. Right. Procrastination is bad. Do as I say. Don't do as I do. That's right. That's right. As you listen to this three weeks or three months after it was released, don't procrastinate. That's right. It's already three weeks too late. <laughs> listen to the episode and be like oh man i really should have ordered that stuff in november and here it is <laughs> like we're in january already darn it <laughs> right that's right you'll think about us yes mm -hmm. yeah 
There you go, everybody. We hope that you enjoyed today's don't do this episode. <laughs> Learn from our mistakes. Get a few good laughs out there. Understand that we all do it. It it happens. Yes. It's natural. But obviously, we are the ones in control of not letting it get too out of hand or stopping the cycle. Exactly. It's better to um, uh, prevent than having to intervene. That is true. Well, we hope you all are doing well. We hope you are staying warm, especially if you are in the central or northern states. Winter is coming. And uh, for everybody else out there, as always, be good. And be mindful. <laughs> Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. This Hive Jive production was made possible by amazing patrons like you. And we appreciate your support. To all our Hive Jive junkies out there, you truly are the bee's knees. <laughs>